Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. Thank you for listening. David, Yeah. are you alright? Yes, I am. I seem to have surprised you with the thing that I do every week. <laughs> I was just I was just acting surprised. Oh, okay, fair enough. So uh, so what's going on there, David? How you doing? Uh, I'm in a bit of, bit of a rush. A rush? Well, we, well we, I I still feel because I was I was late. Yeah, yeah, that's today, right. And we sort of had to. Usually we, you know, uh, almost sort of like warm up our rapport by yeah. talking for a while. And we did that for like a couple minutes, but yeah, I still feel like I just got out of the car right now. Well, maybe don't be late next time. <laughs> Anybody who knows me and Tyler's dynamic knows that's hilarious because I'm always 15 to 20 minutes early yes. and Tyler is always late and yeah. then we end up seeing movies like 15 minutes. <laughs> Instead of Shadow the Vampire. But you know what? In retrospect, yeah, we saw, uh, you know, we've both seen Shadow the Vampire. It's very good. I'm very happy that we saw 15 minutes in retrospect because it it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah, and I'm really happy bad. that I have seen it. Except for that that line by the guy who I am so and so and I am insane. I liked that line, but uh, <laughs> I don't anyway, even remember the movie. <laughs> so, uh, so David, yeah. Aside from being rushed, yeah. How you doing? Well, it's okay. Uh, we were just joking joking around, but I wanted to, you know we had um, got to bring it down a little bit. Yeah. Well, this is uh, we recorded. We, we've got an, like a bonus episode going up soon, like a supplement episode with Paul Goebel, right? Uh, and that'll be great. Um, but there's something that. Paul Goebel was talking about on his show uh, a week or two ago mm-hmm. about like when was the first time that you remember I mean, I never said the first time but were like some actors like people that you never people who were famous that you never actually knew but their death made you sad Phil Hartman yeah that's the one for me it's a big one yeah um, and I don't know what my first one was there are plenty that I could I could point to but uh, it's funny that just a, a few days later um, an actor named Andy Hallett died yeah. and he was a, a fairly young guy I don't know if he was maybe 40 it wasn't at, at most i think yeah, yeah. He, he was not uh not very old but uh, he he played he played a character named lorne on angel mm-hmm. and i know uh i'm sure some people are looking quizzically at their ipods or whatever right now that <laughs> i should be so affected by it and, and it's do you mean to imply that they are looking at their ipods and shaking it and being <laughs> like this can't be the right podcast <laughs> get me the right podcast yeah that's what i mean <laughs> um but i mean the fact that a guy that i uh, pretty much every time that I ever saw him, mm-hmm. he was in like head to toe, or at least every part of the skin that I could see, green makeup, and he had horns on. Yeah. And he's like so unrelatable on a you know uh, physical right level. You know, he doesn't look human, so how right. can you? But um, uh, he was just such a great guy and a great. Uh, Lauren was. I don't know Andy Hallett, but he right. was a, a good actor. He brought Lauren to life, and it's just. Uh, I just wanted to mention it because we talked so much last week about Natasha Richardson and Ron Silver. Was that right. two weeks ago? A couple weeks ago. Um, and I just wanted to uh, give a little uh, shout out to Andy Hallett and uh, that that is as unrecognizable an actor as he is because his most famous role was in Always in Makeup. Yeah. Uh, I felt I, I felt the sort of kinship to the character, if not necessarily the actor, and that made me it made me uh, legitimately sad that he died. Well, and and I've uh, you know I read about it uh, a little bit, um, and I unfortunately am I'd say pretty much completely unacquainted with his work, uh-huh. but just on, on principle, like that he died of heart failure, yeah. you know, at the age of forty or even younger. Uh, that's all. That's always sad to me because, uh, and I and based on some of the stuff that I've read, I know that he's got legions of fans, and it's just it's a shame when somebody who probably, I don't know what if what he was working on now or what he was doing recently, but you mm-hmm. know I'm sure he had years of of good work ahead of him, and uh, yeah. and that 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 is a shame. Uh, and then another guy passed away whose work I don't know at all. His name's Lou Perryman, um, and he was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, of course, he's got a, he has a legion of fans of you know like the horror you yeah. know kind of kind of thing. And uh, and he was actually it's looking like he was murdered uh, in New oh. York. And uh, so that that bums me out. A lot of a lot of people uh, passing away these days, and it's uh, it's always sad. It is sad. But uh, but you yeah, should, you should also you should watch Angel. I know I've told you that I a million know. times over the past ten years. Jen and I are we're working our way through Deadwood. I had seen it before, but uh, but she's enjoying it a great deal. And uh, we just finished season two today, and it's on to season three. So very exciting. But uh, but David, you know what? What? 
you want to just go? Let's get into it, shall we? All right. All right, yeah, we got to keep this one short. Yeah. So, um, this day's a big rush for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean an adrenaline rush. I mean, like, right. I got a lot of running around to do. Yeah, just, you know, calm down, take a deep because breath. Because here's, here's why. All right. I have, like, my set of, like, errands and stuff I need to do every weekend. Mm. And I usually spread it over the course of two days. Yeah. This week, I got to do it all on Saturday yeah. because tomorrow is Thai New Year. Uh, oh, all right. Uh, and uh, there's a big festival in Hollywood, and I go every year, and it's a fucking blast. And uh, it's one of those things like like Comic-Con or the Oscars or whatever. It's a, it's a yearly thing that I really look forward to, and I can't wait for Thai New Year. I don't have very many yearly things that I look forward to now that I think of it. I've got the Oscars. I've got um, I Enjoy Christmas. It's basically it. Yeah. I like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is nice. Yes. Yeah. I enjoy all the food associated with Thanksgiving. You can't go wrong with turkey. Yeah, I enjoy getting together and talking and not... I, I, I It's going to sound cheap of me, but I enjoy not having to buy gifts. But I don't mean <laughs> it like that. I mean, like, I enjoy that there's not that connected to it. Ah. You know, that it's just about getting together and eating. I enjoy buying gifts for other people. I enjoy receiving them as well. But I really enjoy just getting somebody the right thing. But let me ask you this, speaking of food, you are a, you're a fan of Thai food, right? Is tomorrow uh-huh. going to be a big day for you on that front? Yeah, there's uh, all sorts of just vendors lined up. They block off Hollywood Boulevard uh, from, this is going to mean much to most of our listeners, but yeah. from Western to about Alexandria. So that's, hmm. uh, how many blocks would you say that is? I mean... That's uh, that's a good. That's like six or yeah, six or seven blocks. Yeah. And blocks are big in Los Angeles, bigger than yeah. in other major cities. So it's a huge stretch. And they have yeah, they have vendors all along all the different Thai food. You can get like some, you know, you can get your normal like pad Thai. You can get you know squid balls, which is not squid testicles. Thank you very much. It's balls. Of, it's, it's squid. That's and, and any kind of fish. They have fish balls. They just mold it into a ball and you eat it uh, on like a stick or whatever. Uh, and those are amazing. And then you got your Thai iced tea, but then it's not just about food. That's right. They've got uh, they've got Thai kickboxing. Oh, nice! Where you they literally set up. It's it's so awesome. I think like this is where I drive all the time, and they've set up a huge ring in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard, and uh, people are kicking the shit out of each other all day long. Now, uh, are these professionals, or can or can people from the crowd volunteer? <laughs> I don't think they take. I think it's it's like a set up tournament. It's oh. people who are. It's because right. it, yeah, it's and, and there's the uh, Miss Thai Town uh, beauty pageant, which okay. is a blast every year, and all kinds of stuff. And then of course there's the beer garden. Oh yeah, drink Thai beer all day. And last year that was a blast because last year it was like a hundred degrees. Nice, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it should be a little cooler this year. Um, well, I like that we decided to get into it and then veered so far <laughs> off topic that we're not even close to movies yeah. at all. But that's all right. Well, there are some good Thai movies. Uh, th- indeed. Yeah. Uh, name some. I can't think of any. Beautiful Boxer. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. And that's got, uh, you know, boxing in it. Yeah. And uh, hold on. What's the other one that I was thinking of that fucking Christopher Doyle shot? I, I don't know. I can't remember the name of it. That's going to bug the shit out of me all day. You can look it up afterwards. Yeah. So I'm sure the listener is looking it up right now. Um Unless, of course, they're shaking their iPod and be like, stop talking about this. This <laughs> is boring. Um, anyway, so uh, so everybody, we're going to kick off another series. David and I enjoy series uh, because it means that for the next few weeks we know what we're going to talk about as opposed yeah. to deciding it the night before. Um, <laughs> no, usually two or three nights before. It's okay. like a Thursday night. It's like Thursday afternoon that I text, hey, what are we talking about this weekend? And it always, well, yeah, I mean, it always throws me into a panic because it's just like, uh, this is the week. This is the <laughs> week when I've got, when we, we run out of topics. But, uh, but invariably something comes up or we, or better, better yet, we come up with an idea for a series and then we buy ourselves another few weeks. And then thank God we've, we have guests. Yeah. Um, well, the last, the last two part series we did was the, uh, sort of restrictions, obstacles right. series, uh, which was, uh, my idea. This one is all yours. It sure is. And uh, um, I'm excited about it because it's it's sort of like uh, if I, I don't know if any of our listeners watched uh, the Oscars this year. It's this thing. Um, <laughs> but the, 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 way, the way they did the Oscars this year was like it, the, the process of making a movie. They did that's the right. Ex- and so that's sort of uh, the, that's the we're going chronologically on this one, too. That's right. Uh, so we're going to start this week yeah. with uh, 
great movie beginnings. Yeah. Like first scenes, uh, oh, or not. it doesn't even necessarily have to be one scene. Just anything that constitutes the beginning, like perhaps something that comes before the opening credits or something like that. Um, and before we get into like examples of what we really love, and I and that's the thing is there are so many. I mean, as I was as I was looking it up, I realized that this is this the series that we're going to be embarking on for the next three weeks uh, is going to be it's going to feel very incomplete because I've got a you know I've got a huge not a huge list, but I've got quite a few movies listed here, and I know that I I haven't even skimmed the surface. I know that we're going to uh, neglect some, and I'm sorry, everybody, that that. Uh, that it'll probably annoy you. Just talk about it on the forum, and then you can make your voice heard. So I'm sorry, everybody. That uh, I'm sorry in advance. But um, but before we get into it, um, what to you, David? What makes for a memorable movie opening? Uh, I mean, I. I mean, it might become clear. I mean, if you want to just go into the, our, like our list and stuff, we can do that. And then no, I do want to talk about it. Uh, it. It's a good question. I, d- I just wasn't quite prepared for it. I'm sorry. Um, it should be something that is. I mean, it certainly should have a hook. Yeah. But it should be more than a hook. We're not talking about le- like the the pre credits teaser of a TV show. Right. You know, which is it's an entirely different form of storytelling. Right. Um, so it should have some sort of hook, but not necessarily like a cliffhanger type of thing. Right. It should. Uh, I think a lot of great. Uh, looking at my um, my list here, a lot of the great movie openings kind of work as tiny little short films on their own. Yeah, that that's like uh, I'll t- I'll just take one because that's on my list because it's not one of my like ten favorite. It's just a right. really good one. Is the beginning of the way of the gun is oh, a yeah, great yeah. little like comedic hilarious short film. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, but it totally gets you into it because it introduces you to the characters and the fact right. that they're complete assholes yeah. and it's also hilarious and it ends with your main characters getting the shit kicked out of them it really i i think it really uh for me as i was making my list i noticed that most of the ones that i was listing fall into like different categories and all of them are of course meant are, are establishing like one like establish the characters but you don't really know what's going to happen to them but you know who these people are and hopefully, if it's a good movie, you're interested to see what will happen yeah. to them. Uh, so that's one. The other, you know, another is to establish the plot um, and the situation and keep you interested. And then another one is just to establish tone. And I think the opening to Way of the Gun, characters and tone, definitely. Yeah. Um, although I'd say the opening is probably a little funnier than the rest of the movie. I mean, yeah. the movie has some very serious moments. Uh, yeah, but the movie is still funny. Yes, it is. In that yes. same dark way. Yeah. Although uh, I remember when you saw it before I did. Yeah. And you didn't like when he dives into the empty fountain <sighs> and it, it it's revealed that he's landed on broken glass and he's got huge shards of glass yeah. sticking out of his arm. Uh, I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> I don't think it's funny in real life. I think in the tone that they've established in the film, well, it's kind of funny. I think it's funny until it cuts to inside the fountain. Uh, uh-huh. Like, you see him... I mean, I remember they... they they saw the comedic potential in the trailer because they see him. You s- we see him jump over. We hear like the crash of glass, and then you hear just him go ah, uh-huh. and it's like ha ha, that's funny. Cut inside, blood and glass shoved under his skin. Yeah. it's like oh, it's not so funny anymore now that I see it. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's still kind of funny, but I you're a horrible person. I love that movie in ways that uh, no one else can really seem to understand. Even other people who like that movie don't seem to get it on the level that I do. It was uh, uh, that's a really pretentious thing. Yeah, that, that I was. Just said. They don't get it on the level <laughs> I do. Yeah, I think I. I think even I will call you on that. That's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> I beat right. you to it. I yeah. call it. <laughs> I'm glad you have that level of self awareness. Um, but I would actually, um, because the opening of uh, Way of the Gun, it's not just one scene. It's it's a, you know, a, not really. It's not really a montage either. But it's just a collection of scenes happening very quickly, and um, so I. Feel well, you're like talking about like them driving and going to the. Because I'm talking about specifically the scene that opens the film outside of the nightclub. Okay. When they lean on the guy's car. Okay. And then. Uh, <laughs> and then the Sarah <laughs> Silverman comes out yeah. and spews this horrible <laughs> yeah. poison. You like you yeah. like to fuck little babies. <laughs> That shit is so funny. Yeah, that might be my favorite thing of Sarah Silverman's. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, 
I guess I, when I when I think of the opening, I think of that scene because it jumps into it and it's kind of abrupt, and then from there it goes to sperm clinic, and then that yeah, which also has some funny stuff in it. Yeah, um, but like all this stuff happens before like the story really kicks in. So yeah. somehow I consider all of that to be the opening of the film. Right. I, uh, yeah, you're right. But I was I was thinking specific, specifically of the pre credits. Well, yes, absolutely. Sequence. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> well, I do have it. I do believe I have it on uh, VHS. We could watch it. Um, uh, I have that shit on DVD. Yeah, again, I know because no one gets it like I get it. That's exactly. No one exactly. understands that film. Yeah, I mean, I only have it on VHS because you bought it on DVD and gave me your copy. <laughs> um, but I would say along along the lines of of uh, what I was what I was talking about a moment ago, which is not single scenes, although I'll be talking about those as well. Not single scenes, but just a collection of of moments meant to set up the story or characters or whatever. Um, and for me, one of the best ones is uh, Get Shorty, which it starts with uh, John Travolta in Miami with his with his friend, um, and then Ray Bone shows up and gets his coat, and then he goes to reclaim his coat, punching Ray Bones in the face. Ray Bones tries to kill him, but instead instead gets shot. He complains to his boss. His boss says, you can't do anything in, um, while Momo's still around. And then Momo dies of a heart attack. Credits. Like, it really, uh-huh. it lasts probably about eight minutes, roughly. Yeah. Um, and, like, and you, re- and you don't really know where it's going. And then once you realize, oh, Momo's dead, this is going to change everything now. Uh-huh. Um, so it's meant to, and it, and it certainly sets up the tone. Um, yeah. Because... I personally feel that uh, while I do love John Travolta as Chili Palmer, Dennis Farina as Ray Bones is possibly one of the funniest characters <laughs> I've ever seen in a film ever. Uh-huh. Um, and he's just so ridiculous when he's got the big bandage on his nose and then he gets shot in the head and he's just and he's and he's stuffed up because his nose is broken and so he's just yelling holy shit you know they say that they, they say the fucking smog is the fucking reason you have such fucking beautiful fucking sunsets. It's great. <laughs> Don't puke on my shoes, Harry. <laughs> um, but like that—that that to me is is like one of the best examples of a movie that just has a lot of quick scenes in quick uh, succession, and it and it's almost that almost is like you're right. It's almost like a little eight to ten minute film. Yeah. Um, granted, there's you know you, you're curious to know what happens next, but yeah, the scenes just work be. together so beautifully. Um, and I would compare that to um, the opening of a movie that I don't really care for, but I have to acknowledge that, yes, the opening is very memorable, which is Raising Arizona. Um, We've never talked about the fact that you don't care for Raising Arizona. Yeah. Uh, I I have not seen it in w- probably about 10 years, uh-huh. for the record. Um, I did not like the pacing of it and just the crazy, over-the-top, nature and i'm somebody who likes over the top things sometimes yeah but uh but it just it just seemed like it was just so slapsticky and and all that and just everybody was just yelling all the time and i just i didn't care for it but i uh, I think that's why i like it i think i like it because it's the coen brothers with a dash of joe dante well yeah i and that's the thing is my my taste may have changed i may i may have to actually watch it again sorry everybody but (laughs) that opening regardless of what you think about the film because i know that some critics i think ebert among them didn't like it. He gave it like a star and a half. Hmm. Um, but I, no matter what you think of the film in general, that opening scene is uh, the, not seen. That opening sequence before the credits, which is like what? It's like it's like fifteen long? minutes. That's yeah. That's something I want to get into because okay. um, there are some things that are just apart from the movie, mm-hmm. just sort of uh, just from an achievement level. Yeah, uh, really great openings, and that's that's one I, ha- I have written down here too, actually, because it's 15 minutes before you see the credits. But it also reminds me of uh, now. I don't want to diminish this, but I wanted to talk about Touch of Evil. Oh, okay. Uh, because um, how you're the Orson Welles uh, <laughs> fanatic. How long exactly is the is the shot at the beginning of Touch of Evil? Oh, the sh- just the the shot itself, not not the not the opening sequence, just that one. Uh, long shot. Yeah, the one shot. long shot. Um, I think it's over, th- like over three minutes. Yeah, th- that's that's something else. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, it's since been bested, of course, yes. by yes. many you know children of men was yeah. 
uh, a great example. But um, it's just uh, on its own. It, 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 but it is something that works. Is a it, it's an introduction to a border town. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you meet the characters. Yeah. Uh, the uh, you are introduced to the stakes of the movie in a way. Yeah. But it is on its own. It works as a film because you know what's happening. And right. You and yeah, it's it's. So uh, that's Touch of Evil is a great example, but it, it, it lends it, it the fact that it's just one long unbroken shot actually because we see a bomb put into the car before it starts driving. Yeah, and the fact that there are no cuts and the camera's just following this car like the suspense is so. By the end of it, you're just like, this is killing me. Like this yeah. is insane. Like if it was just a sequence of of scenes of like a car driving past this and the car driving past that. Then it would still be suspenseful, but not like this. This yeah. you are just the you realize that the director is not going to let you get away from this. You uh-huh. are there for the duration, and then the car blows up. Yeah, spoilers. Sorry, everybody. Um, That's the one you don't have to feel guilty about. <laughs> people, I don't feel guilty about any of them. Screw these people. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, back to raising Arizona. It just it that's what what's crazy about it is it's fifteen minutes of breakneck manic pacing you know because i think that i mean that crazy like banjo music isn't that going is that going for the entire time or i can't remember most of it i think where it just driving it along and you're just like this is exhausting I'm really <laughs> t-. and then and you don't even and what's beautiful is it gives you enough time that you don't even realize when uh that the credits haven't come up yet and then when they do you're like oh my gosh <laughs> All We're that just getting was, started. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, this is this was all setting up what's going to happen. Yeah, this is not the plot itself. I mean, it is a little bit, but like, well, that that reminds me of um, Moulin Rouge is another thing where the first ten to fifteen minutes of Moulin Rouge, mm-hmm. there's no clear break in that movie the way there is, I think, uh, with Raising Arizona of yeah. saying like this is the beginning and this is the movie, but like uh, Moulin Rouge starts again at that same breakneck pace. Like, I think I I often tell people that. I've never seen more people walk out of a movie hmm. than when I saw Moulin Rouge. I mean, I saw it like a matinee showing. It was mostly yeah. like seniors. Well, it sounds to me like those people didn't get it like you did. <laughs> I'm going to be bringing that true. up a lot, by the way. Good. For the next few weeks. Uh, <laughs> um, you never should have said it. You're a bad person. And yet it's still true. <laughs> as much as I realize that it's pretentious, yeah. I still believe it. Yeah. I've never met anyone who understands the way of the gun the way I do. So <laughs> fuck all y'all. Um, that's the spirit. Yeah, uh, but uh, so yeah, these are all movies: Racing Arizona, Touch of Evil, Moulin Rouge. That use some sort of like, uh, I mean, it's 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 mean to call it a gimmick, but in a way, it is a gimmick mm-hmm. to to hook you in. Another one uh, that you can't talk about Touch of Evil without talking about the player because right. it's another, and I think that tra- that shot is even longer. It's like six yeah. minutes or something. Uh, but uh, it's it's even within that shot. Fred Ward's character references the Touch of Evil opening. Yeah, <coughs> several times, in fact. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, um, and actually, I'll I'll go ahead and jump to uh, to another Orson Welles film, which is Citizen Kane. Which, you know, when I first saw Citizen Kane, I was you know I was uh, fourteen, fifteen around there, and um, the idea of the newsreel preceding a movie, or or the newsreel in general. Mm-hmm. It was foreign to me. I mean, to people of our generation, it, it we it's we just don't know what that is really. Mm-hmm. And so, for, so the movie starts like that in a way that at the time filmgoers were very used to. Um, and so, it may not have been as jarring to them uh, that this, you know, that they're seeing this guy's entire life on a film reel, um, a newsreel. And so, uh, but for myself, when I watched it, I just, uh, I just assumed like, okay, well, this is gonna, you know, this is, this is interesting. I'm learning about this character I'm about to see a movie about. And then it, and then it keeps going, you know, it's like Raising Arizona in that way. It keeps going. It's, it's a little longer than I was expecting to the point where I started, granted I was young, I started wondering like, is this the movie? Are they just going to take me through this in a newsreel type of way, like that's very strange. Like, I understand why now. I understand why so many people say this movie is is uh, 
ahead of its time or just just so far out of the mainstream mainstream and all that. Um, but then, of course, the newsreel eventually stopped, and you get into the room with the reporters, and then the movie re- then the movie starts. But uh, but that to me, and and their level of commitment to selling the newsreel. I mean, it's a it's a you know at this point it's a widely known story that the editor of the newsreel once it was all cut together they took the the strips of film and dragged them across the floor so that mm-hmm. they look a lot scratchier uh as was you know common of newsreels at the time so that to me is just and and it's uh, it serves such an interesting purpose because it tells you the whole story of uh-huh. this guy's life and you're just like oh so i guess i know everything that's going to happen but it it puts forth the idea that just b- you can know the events of a character's life without ever knowing yeah uh who this character actually is and um so that to me is one of the most amazing openings and in fact you know uh that's actually like one could say that's not actually the opening scene because the opening scene is is the man the yeah. the mansion your castle and then him saying rosebud and dying um but well that's let's talk about uh, normally i hate when we do episode when i always feel like uh, I feel bad when I do an episode where I'm just listing okay. things, but I kind of this topic kind of lends itself to it. It's kind of oh, fun, much so. But the uh, the what you're talking about the actual opening there that sets up sort of like the mystery. Yeah, uh, that reminds me of weirdly, and this is a movie that I don't actually love all that much. Mm-hmm. But one of the first things that came to my mind was the beginning of Casino. Oh, okay. Which uh, I haven't seen Casino in a long time. How did? He, oh, does he, it start with the car? Yeah, he walks okay. out, uh, gets in the car, and then his car blows up. Yeah. And then there's the really cool opening credit sequence with like all the fire. And yeah. Which I I like that a lot. But uh, um, that was uh, <coughs> that was the same sort of thing where it's uh, it is sort of like the teaser at the beginning of a TV show where yeah. it's uh, it's like oh what's gonna happen like what just happened and when do we get to find out? And, and well, and and that they do that a lot with. Uh, like horror movies, um, like let's see, what do I have listed here? I'll I'll roll these all into one. Um, Jaws, the opening scene is you know this these are ones where they use the opening scene to set up the tone, but of course to also just get you so into the story. I yeah. mean, in Jaws, that girl goes swimming and then oh, this horrible thing has happened and I had it, I didn't see it. Yeah, you know. Um, but then also the movie uh, Scream. Scream is on my list. Which, you and know, that, but that one so almost does work as a short film as oh, well. Absolutely, on a, on a, you know, uh, yeah. But that's that's uh, iconic. I think to, uh, I guess, maybe people of our generation. I don't know how older people view Scream, but uh, I love it. Well, that and you know, again, well, I'll I'll kind of echo what I said about uh, raising Arizona. That no matter what a person thinks of Scream, they have to on a. On a on an academic level, respect that opening scene because, first off, it's Drew Barrymore. Uh-huh. Like it's it's kind of a similar principle as Psycho, where you get the biggest star yeah. uh, of the cast, and it's being set up like, oh, she's the 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 hero or the heroine, um, and then you get the back and forth on the phone. You get the shots, you know, of the popcorn. You get a really scary looking villain yeah and then you get some heavy gore and the surprise of oh she's dead yeah you know it's it really is uh and it's but it's it's fun too yeah it's just you know it uh her mom screams and then it goes into the this really rocking really rocking music as uh the credits start and 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 you're just like wow what movie have i walked (laughs) into um but uh i would say uh, a similar movie all you know also Directed by uh, Steven Spielberg, very similar to Jaws, the opening scene of Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. um, where again somebody is attacked and killed by something that we don't see. Yeah, um, and the fact that we don't see it is very frightening, and it and it send, it, it lends itself <coughs> to that as you as you were saying the mystery element of it. Like, what is this thing? I mean, you know what it is because you go into the movie knowing what it is, but. You know, we don't see how big the shark is. We don't see the raptor specifically, you know, um, in all its glory. Um, and for my, for myself, uh, the opening of Mars Attacks is really, really disturbing. Uh, I haven't seen it since it was in the theater. So. Oh, okay. Oh, my. <laughs> it's not the best movie, but <laughs> I still enjoy it. Um, but the opening is, uh, 
is like this farm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. These two farmers and and one of them is uh is Asian and the other one's kind of this hick and he's like and he and he smells the air. It's like, what is it like? Some kind of Asian New Year's or something? <laughs> he's like, What do you mean? It's like barbecue. I can sm- you know, you're cooking up a feast. And that's when you see a glow on the horizon and then you see a stampede of cattle running on fire. Yeah. And then and it's really disturbing. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a movie that I consider to be kind of funny, but that moment's like, oh, that's horrifying. And then of course the flying saucer uh you know, flies up and leaves and joins the ranks and it, and it has one of the one of my favorite opening credit sequence sequences which is um all these flying saucers in formation with this really awesome Danny Elfman score. I, I but, think I, uh, I think I might watch that movie again. Give it a shot. I have it on VHS. I'll lend it to you. Well, I wanted to talk about a couple that, <coughs> um, almost that almost have nothing to do with the movie. Okay. Um, well, that's okay. The first one I'm going to say that's absolutely not correct. What I just said, okay. but th- on a, on a just a pure sort of narrative standpoint, the movie could exist without it, and that's 2001. Oh, okay. I mean, from the complete artistic statement obviously that whole opening thing with like the the dawn of technology or whatever right. you want to call you know the dawn of man whatever they right. call it uh obviously that's completely in- integral to the movie mm-hmm. but it's it's uh i mean it it doesn't need to be there from a narrative standpoint right really uh but that's uh, it's an it's another iconic one i don't know what else to say about it well and it and it spends again we keep saying this. I'm sorry that we keep repeating it. But that one, that sequence is another. It's also like 15, maybe even 20 minutes. Yeah, I it's mean, like it's, 20 minutes. It's a while. It, that that really is like a short film. Um, but uh, and you really don't know where it's going, and it seems so unrelated to the rest of the film. Yeah. Um, but as you say, it's crucial because yeah. when you see the monolith, you're like, "What the hell is that thing?" And then you see it show up later, and you're like, "Oh." Something's going to happen, you know, because <laughs> um, that thing showed up before and that monkey killed that other monkey with a bone, you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot. I, I'm not a huge fan of 2001, but uh, I will certainly argue for the necessity of that scene, even though some people are just like, wh- wh- why am I watching this in a film about space? Um, um, and then the other one that I talked about that it's also, I think, thematically uh, necessary, and it's one of the first ones I thought of mm-hmm. in making my list is Blue Velvet. Oh yeah, um, which is just a like a idyllic sort of uh, suburban street. Yeah, dude watering the lawn, and yeah. then he has a heart attack, and then the camera goes like underneath the grass, and you see sort of like t- just teeming hordes of insects. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Imagine me watching that movie when I was about sixteen or seventeen, being like. What have I gotten myself <laughs> into? And as you know, I'm not a huge fan of Blue Velvet, but uh, I understand now why that scene is so important. But at the time, I'm like, this is weird. Why am I looking at bugs? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely afraid of bugs. So um, there's, you know, I've been trying to find sort of groupings, like themes to. Okay. to uh, there's one that I don't really know how else to talk about it, except for just to talk about just this one, because mm-hmm. it's. It's unique because it's so tied into the mindset of people going into the movie theater okay. at the time. Um, because the trailers for this movie did not really tell us what it was about, but it made us want to see it. Okay. And by the time uh, Trinity disappears in the phone booth at the oh. end of that opening sequence of The Matrix, oh, yeah. uh, I don't, I can't speak for every, anywhere, everyone else, but I was like, holy fuck, this yeah. is going to be even better than the trailer made it seem like that was amazing and i'm going to see this multiple times yeah and that was before the credits had even started that's uh, yeah because again like i would say in that way because it's it really makes you want to see like you certainly weren't expecting it and you really want to see what happens next um you know like jaws like scream like uh jurassic park and one that I meant to uh, mention because I just love it so much. The opening scene of Ghostbusters. Well, I wasn't really done talking about The Matrix. Oh, I'm sorry. Go right ahead. <laughs> but let's talk about Ghostbusters for a second. I'll come back. All right. Well, we get a character that uh, shows up once more in the in the film itself, which is the this meek librarian. And it yeah. just sets up this tone. And it's got this really weird music. 
and she's just walking along, and then you see, and it just it has such a nice build. You see books silently floating, and she doesn't really notice it, but you see it, and then stuff starts to happen, like yeah, drawers open and cards fly out, and then she start, and then that's when she starts noticing, and she starts kind of screaming and running, and like she thinks she can get away from it, and then she turns the corner, and then you get the bright light, and yes. it's awesome, and it's really quite scary you it, certainly wouldn't expect it terrified me when i was really? when i was young oh man oh man it's <laughs> it's it's so it's so great because it sets it up as if it were a standard you know ghost ghost story uh-huh. uh and then the ghostbusters thing kicks in you're like <laughs> yeah. i guess this isn't what i think it's gonna be yeah. but it does such a good job of establishing ghosts as like a threat um, I'm sorry that I derailed your discussion of the Matrix. Continue. That's okay. Well, there's something else about it that's because it's not really related to what I was saying before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just another thing that's great about it. It is that um, the Matrix had this sort of uh, new, newish technology it wanted to show off in in the, uh, the, the, the what are they called like the bullet time? Mm-hmm. You know the the way they were. You know, stopping the motion and moving around it, you know, which right. has since been done, you know, to death. But, uh, and they didn't just, it's not like a 3D movie where people keep throwing shit at the screen, you know, yeah. they weren't just trying to show it off. Like, they used it really, really well. It, yeah. It's a really fantastic fight sequence. Yeah. And that's, I, I just want to say that about The Matrix in general is that, uh, it didn't just rest on the fact that it had this cool technology. It right. gave equal respect to the choreography of the fights, and that's yeah. why the technology made the impact that it did. Yeah, and it's and what with the awesome choreography and the, and the cool filmmaking technology and the the phone thing at the end, like it really does a good job of establishing like this is just the beginning. Like you don't even know why all this stuff is happening. But think how awesome it's going to be because you're just going to get more of this yeah. and an explanation. And uh, and it has now the Wachowski brothers are not known for their uh, abilities with dialogue, right? But it has that great line uh, in the opening sequence: "No, Lieutenant, your men are already dead." Ah, yeah, <laughs> that's such a great line. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a great character. Um, and um, speaking of character, go ahead, David. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I had to say about that. I mean, I've just got I'm just sort of checking off my list here. Okay. Um, and then, well, here's another one that's sort of, it's obviously, it wasn't as groundbreaking, but it, it used sort of special effects and technology to, and, and almost wor- a, a, actually a wordless opening sequence uh, to really rope you in and give you an idea of the world mm-hmm. uh, is bl- it's Blade Runner. Yeah. Just that, ju- just the beginning part where you're sort of flying over the city and you're seeing those just spurts of flame come up, which was uh, later sort of, uh, anyway. Uh, the crow kind of used that yeah. for their view yeah. of Detroit. Uh, it was sort of like a mini uh, Blade Runner <laughs> uh, opening, but mm-hmm. um, uh, that just that sequence on its own is so gorgeously realized. It's something that I can watch on its own right now. I don't have to watch the whole movie. I can just watch that and be satisfied because it's just such a great shot. Well, and it comes after uh, the you know the not the title cards, but you know the explanation of yeah. the war it's this is the year these are the replicants this is what a blade runner is and behind that there's kind of this weird mysterious music that sound that and also sounds of like industry and uh-huh. like and then and then it opens yeah. up like it establishes that before it even shows you and this it's like here's the story and look at the world that it's going to take place in yeah. isn't that isn't it horrifying i just watched blade runner again i love that movie yeah um, did you really yeah it's good stuff um well, you know you speak speaking of title cards there's another iconic opening in that star wars yeah and all it's it's so simple it just has it it has the explanation of the setup, the need, thing you need to n- things you need to know, which is right. sometimes kind of lazy in a movie, yeah. but the way that it's done in Star Wars, just the fact that it's sort of like canted and it goes off into the yeah I- into the into the future, into space, as it were. Yeah. You know, it it it's just words going up a screen, and yet it really builds. The, it's it's like it's like being on a roller coaster and ratcheting up that first hill. Oh, yeah. That's exactly the the sort of feeling that I still remember having the first time I saw that. But it's got that, but it also has the great music behind yeah. it that gives it, it's just, that music is so much fun. It yeah, it couldn't so adventurous. be what it, what it is without the music. Um, but Speaking I, I'm, of music. Oh, music, yes, go ahead. I want to talk about, I've been holding off. Yeah, okay. 
because uh, this is my favorite of all time. I don't have a lot to say, but I just want to say that it's my favorite movie opening of all time. It's not my favorite movie. It's not by any means the greatest movie opening. It's just that okay. uh, it's... Uh, I'll just say it. It's train spotting. Oh, okay. The beginning, you hear the alarm, and you hear Iggy Pop, and you see the shoes, and the camera is moving, and all the characters are moving, yeah. and then there's that amazingly written and amazingly delivered uh, voiceover monologue mm-hmm. thing, and it's just so exciting. Yeah. That, uh, and, and of course, it happened. I, you know, it happened at an age when I was first starting to understand movies beyond what they were, and it, j- it was just, you know, I was maybe. 15 when I saw Train Spotting, mm-hmm. maybe 14. And I was so excited by it. I would watch it over and over again. I watched the movie so many times. Uh and it's yeah, it's my favorite movie opening of all time because uh the movie doesn't really stop from there and it's just right. You know how much fun you're in for even though it's not always a fun movie. Right. Um and that's something that, uh, that's a sort of a side. We talked about it with some dog millionaire. That's something that Danny Boyle is really good at. Yeah. Like maintaining a certain level of fun while exploring really dark and uh, disturbing yeah. events. Yeah, dark and dis- yeah. <laughs> and his weird obsession with feces. But, uh, <laughs> but that's yeah, okay. so uh, train spotting is my favorite of all time and I, I mean it's just the and it's you know, I talk about the the camera moving and the, and and the movement in it, but so much of that opening has to do with the sound. Because you hear the alarm, right? And you hear Iggy Pop, and you hear those Converse slapping on the concrete as he's yeah. running. You know, and I would say, and this actually leads into—you'll see—I've got a separate box here uh-huh. uh, because I, I wasn't quite sure. I guess it counts, but that sequence wouldn't be what it was without the voiceover narration. Yeah, and much in that, you know, much in the same way, I would say I put together a very small list of movies that had opening narration that really struck me and part of me is like well is that does that count as an open like tommy lee jones opening narration monologue in no country for old men where he tells that story yeah the opening narration from blood simple where uh mm at walsh talks about in russia everybody helps each other but this is texas and you're on your own you know like yeah it's 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 great it's not like voiceover that's like the title cards we're talking about or even uh, it's it's, it doesn't set up any of the story yeah. at all, you know. It's not like uh, it's not like Double Indemnity, you know. Right. Um, it's and it's the same with Train Spotting. That has nothing to do with. You don't know. You still don't know who these people are, or right. even really that they're drug addicts or anything. Uh, you just get this sort of like weird manifesto at the beginning yeah. of Train Spotting that you don't know if is this the movie's point of view, is this the character's point of view, right? But it's uh, it's a hook. Yeah, and along those lines, there's a movie that I know you don't care for, but it has a really great opening bit of narration, which is a civil action uh-huh. in which John Travolta is rattling off what defendants are worth more in the calculus of personal injury law. And he and the monologue ends with him saying, it's like, well, and really the, the least profitable is a dead child. And it's just a nice little sting, and you're like, oh... Uh, that's not that's kind of callous uh-huh. um and then and then it goes into the movie which talks about people seeking financial compensation for the death of multiple children uh-huh. and um and so that sequence it's just it's well written and it's just very plain uh and it reveals it reveals something about the character the tone of the story and you know the, the somewhat kind of the flaw of like personal injury law which is it's all it all comes down to money unfortunately mm-hmm. and uh well kids don't make any money so how much are they actually worth really and um yeah. but uh but i did want to move on actually to uh to the the openings that mean the most to me um, well I, I sort of gave you an intro there with indeed with train spotting and they're always they're always about character you know they don't set up really the story they set up character but there are movies in which the character really is the story. Um, the one that I'll start off with first is Patton, where, mm-hmm. I mean, the fir- first off, the movie's called Patton, so the character is the story, but, you know, you just get, it, it, everything about it is so huge. You just get this huge screen of the American flag, you get this highly decorated guy standing in front of it, and then you get this wonderful monologue in which you're like, is this supposed to, 
oh, this is his version of insp- inspiration. <laughs> all right, in which he talks about your best friend's face, which uh-huh. is now a pile of goo, and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you, I mean, the character says nothing about himself. There's, there's a surprising lack of introspection. <laughs> um, but just the, the phrases that he uses the the phrases that he uses and and the fact that this is what he is choosing to say in front of what we assume is a room full of new recruits yeah. or people about to go off to war that tells you more tell you about the character than anything else did i ever tell you my dad's story about that no cuz my my dad's dad whom i never knew right. fought under patton okay and uh so when my uh, th- my dad and his dad saw that movie together, mm. and I and uh, according to my dad, after that opening sequence, my uh, like my grandfather turned to my dad and was like, "Yeah, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was him." <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great endorsement of uh, George C. Scott's performance and the writing and everything about it is just it's so larger than life, and it lets you know who this guy is that you're about to watch for the next you know two and a half hours, and uh, and so like that's that is one of my favorite openings because it's just so it's just such a wonderful introduction to the character uh one that i would say is similar is uh, the opening of reservoir dogs mm. um in which you know there are moments where you know there there's a, a certain mystery element where you don't know why these guys are all dressed alike and you can tell and eh, some of these guys are definitely men of action like uh Talking about, hey, you want me to shoot this guy? And then just like a little moment. And then like Joe Cabot is just such a bulldog of a person. <laughs> um, but also it's just, you know, you, you see, you learn things about Mr. White. And you see that he's kind of an honorable guy the way he defends waitresses and the and the practice of tipping them. You see Mr. Pink is a guy who, who brings a certain degree of practicality to everything. Uh-huh. Including, why should I tip these people when they're just doing their job? I'm sorry that their job, you know, that their employers are counting on their tips so they get paid a little less that's not my actual fault you know they're not, if they're not doing that great of a job why would i give them extra like and it's and it's that kind of practicality that you will see him later display in regard in regards to killing people in these diamonds and you know and you see mr white who you know defends these these waitresses kind of at, 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 out of you know, like sentimentality and just cause he's a, he's an honorable guy. Yeah. And of course he turns out to be the most honorable and in fact the most gullible of the bunch. Yeah. And so how do you feel about tipping? Um, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I tip, uh, well, cause I know like the general rules of like waiters and waitresses. Yeah. You know, I know what's expected in like other things where it's not like, cause everyone says, like fifteen to twenty percent for yeah. waiters and waitresses. I usually go a little over twenty, and I feel good about myself. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to like any other enterprise where there's not that like common knowledge, I think I tend to over tip. But I always tip. I always tip twenty percent because it's very easy to calculate in my head. Uh-huh. Um, and then I will say this: that uh, I'm much more likely to over tip when it is a uh, delivery person because they're putting their life on the line to get me a pizza. You know, <laughs> they could get killed. But I'm talking about like like I got my car washed the other day. Oh. And I got like a sixteen dollar car wash and then I gave the guy ten bucks afterwards. I was like, that's a huge percentage. Yeah. But that's, that's like what I had on me and I was like, you know what? I don't want to fucking wash my car. That's yeah. sounds like hell to me. <laughs> my parents made me wash their cars. It's one of those things that uh I had to do as a kid and I just yeah. decided like like literally if I ever own a house with a yard I'm hiring a gardener. I am not doing any fucking yard work. Yeah, because I, I had like to do I may mow the lawn. I am not pulling any weeds. Yeah, no, thank no you. fucking way. I have and so that's how I feel like I wash my car. It's like I know that's an in, that's probably an insane tip, but I would never ever do this myself. <laughs> right. It's yeah. That's how I am with. Uh, I mean, I guess I I don't tip my mechanics, but ultimately, they could be cheating me so bad, <laughs> and I'd just be like, whatever, you know, just I'm not handling it. So you do you gouge me however you want. It's your problem. You know you have to deal with this ninety five Explorer. Yeah, um, that's weird though. Because I, I, I want to defend myself. I'm not lazy. Right. Because when it comes to fixing the car, I always try to fix my car myself. Right. But there are certain things that I just hated doing when I was young that I've decided I will never do again. And yeah, pulling weeds is a perfect example. And washing a car is another one. 
I am lazy when it comes to my car. <laughs> I'll, f- I'll like, fill it with washer fluid. That's probably about as far as it'll go. <laughs> um, and even that, I haven't done in a while. Um, to get back on topic... Um, <laughs> we had to fill some time. We started early. Indi- right, yes. Yes. Heaven forbid we have a show that comes in under an hour. <laughs> um, well, I'm about done, really. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, uh, to discuss, like, char- like really character-driven uh, openings, I mean, there's also, like, Pulp Fiction... But what's interesting with that one, it reveals it reveals characters that we don't see again for a long for time. Two hours, yeah. And you're like, why did they show us this? I mean, it's interesting, you know, uh-huh. the, the the way these characters are approaching robbing banks and such, uh, or not, uh, you know, robbing stores and and restaurants. That's that's interesting. It's interesting to listen to, and it ends on a neat note, and then it goes into the opening credits, and then we follow other characters. For a long, long yeah. time. You know, you talked about the opening to Scream going yeah. into music, the opening of Ghostbusters going into music. Pulp Fiction is notable that it goes into an actual good song. There you go. <laughs> there, hey, whoa. Are you saying Ghostbusters isn't a good song? Uh, objectively, no, it's not a good song. It's a dumb song. I dare you to get that out of your head. That's, um, not, that's not the point. I, what, you know that Gwen Stefani song, This Shit is Bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S? <laughs> that is a terrible song. Now, all I, I dare all of you listeners to get it out of your head. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I don't remember the song that uh, Scream opens with. Uh, you know, I have the soundtrack. Yeah. Which is dumb that I have it. It's got Julie Cruz on it. It's got Moby. It's got Nick Cave. Red right uh, hand. It does have Nick Cave, yeah. But I I bought it because I, uh, I wanted that cover of School's Out, which is by The Last Hard Men. Oh, yeah. Which is a super group uh, composed of... This is insane. It's uh, Jimmy Flemian from the Frogs, okay. Jimmy Chamberlain from the Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Kelly Deal from the Breeders, and then Sebastian Bach from Skid Row. That is insane. And so I bought it just for that cover, pretty much. But then later, at a Streetside Records in St. Louis, I found their entire album, which has that on it, so I don't even need the Scream soundtrack anymore. But they did one album, and it's uh, pretty awesome. That song's from the... Oh, okay. That's right. I'm sorry. I got mixed up between that version of School's Out for Scream and then a different cover of uh, Another Brick in the Wall for the faculty. Um, oh, yeah. Who did that? I don't know. It remember. wasn't good. I don't know. No, it was not good. Um, now, I'll, I will bring up uh, another movie that doesn't really fall into... Um, you know what? I'll save that till the end. Right now, I'll bring up just a couple other movies that uh, I, I like. I like their openings because they just throw you right in the middle of the action. You know, they don't. There is no build. It's just ah, here we are. Um, one is Narc, uh-huh. where yeah. it starts and you're already running, and the and you're just at a breakneck speed, and you're like, what is going on? Again, train spotting is it, the, right, yeah. and then. Um, that's why Train Spotting is my favorite ever. It has all these elements. Yeah, it's it's got character, it's got narration. Oh my gosh, um, I think we've determined what the best opening ever is. <laughs> um, uh, but along those lines, uh, there's Narc, and then there's another movie that you s- I don't think you've seen yet, which is The Proposition. No, I n- still have never seen that. Um, my favorite movie of 2006, but it's got a nice moment where there's the opening, uh, there's the opening credits, which is a very it, it just basically shows these old photographs. Uh, to this very nice music sung by a with a song sung by a child, uh, and then it goes into the middle of a shootout that is very loud because uh, a bunch of criminals are housed inside a basically a steel shack, and of course bullets bouncing around in a steel uh-huh. shack. It's very deafening, and it just like it gets your attention right after that nice soothing song, and uh, and it just throws you right into the middle of it, and. That level of action really is not seen for the rest of the film. It's that that kind of frenetic pace uh, is not is not maintained. But it's just it's almost like they just want to get your attention right away. Um, it's still a very violent film, but certainly not in that in that kind of way. Um, so I'll mention two more, and then we'll then we'll be done. Um, a movie that I can't quite determine. If like what the where the opening ends, uh-huh. but I certainly know how it starts, which is there will be blood. Oh yeah, because it starts with that big scary 
music build and then the, uh, the payoff is just landscape granted very forbidding uh-huh. and uh, and and intimidating but like it's just uh, the music of that fi- I know that you're a big fan of the music for that film yeah, I it's funny well. how often music has come up in, in yeah. this discussion because I mean music is just such a it's such an important element in setting the tone for a film um, whether that be comedy or horror or whatever the case may be and the music for There Will Be Blood is just so unique yeah, and uh, and starting starting from the absolute beginning, where it barely even registers as music. All it registers is like something awful is going to happen, uh-huh. and in fact, it would appear there will be blood soon. Yeah, um, to me, the whole opening of that movie, it, it it stops being the opening when his speech starts. Okay, which is I mean that's like uh, that's a lot of time before that happens. Right, but uh, I would I would say that yes, that's that's what I would count as the opening is him in his mind. Breaking his leg, dragging himself yeah. across that landscape that we saw, um, but yeah, I'd say that's that's uh, a fair assessment. And in in which case, that's uh, one of the best openings ever because yeah. there is no dial like there's no dialogue, but you learn so much about the character. Yeah. Um, but uh, for me, I think perhaps one of the best openings, and this is the one I'll end on. I won't say it's the best or even really my favorite, but uh, the opening of Sunset Boulevard. Is is a combination That's of some a of the great things. I can't believe I didn't think of that. I'm That's sorry. perfect. Um, it's got so many of the elements of what we're talking about. Where it's got narration, uh-huh. it's got character. Um, you know, it reveals character. It has a mystery element, but on but it's got a neat twist on the mystery element, which is we already know the uh, we already know the ending, but it's so strange. It's uh-huh. just such an odd variation where we already know the ending but half the fun is is getting to that point um but yeah for me sunset boulevard is just also because it's just such an such a weird creepy image of him just floating in that pool and uh-huh. you, oh, it's good stuff and you see him from the from the bottom looking yeah. up because that's yeah because heaven forbid that movie be uh less creepy than it is but um but yeah and so uh so for the next for the next couple of weeks, we're probably just going to be kind of doing these lists. And so I'm sorry, everybody, if if you don't enjoy uh, if you don't enjoy that, but um, but that's that's what it's going to be as yeah, a discussion. But we're, still, we're still talking around right the idea of what makes a good opening. Right. Uh, I mean, as as you it's, said, it's just fun for me at least to do it this way. Yeah. I mean, as da- as as David said, I mean, something that I didn't realize going into this, but is how big of a role that music plays. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think about it, but... Which reminds me, actually, of one more I wanted to bring up. Okay, go ahead. Because uh, and it, people who listen to the show enough might have picked up on the fact that I hate the doors. Okay, yeah. But Apocalypse Now has a great opening, yeah, it and it sure makes does. me almost like that song. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to mention that. It's a good one, in yeah. In terms of music. Um, and I also want to mention, before we get emails, uh, I just want to mention Saving Private Ryan, because I know I'm sure that people would want to email in and say how could you not mention saving private ryan i almost didn't want to mention it because it is the second scene <laughs> like yeah, you're right. the opening scene is the framing device yeah like it's a great it's the the storming the beach is of course a wonderful scene and it's and it's really you know it's crazy and horrifying and all that but i still don't count it because it's the uh second scene i wish i could pass some sort of uh Law where any movie that has a framing device had to be approved by me first, because <laughs> <laughs> so often they're worthless, and I I don't care for that one. Hmm. I would like to discuss framing devices further on another episode. Okay. I don't know if it, I don't know if it warrants an entire episode, but it's something we, that I would like to talk about. But okay. Uh, anyway, so um, so of course, as I said, uh, I, I'm sure that there are plenty that you guys are thinking of. Um, that we didn't mention, and so I'm sorry that we didn't mention it. Uh, feel free to discuss it on the forum. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else uh, new on the website right now. Um, you put a new blog up, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I put a new blog up about... Uh, I will sooner or later. Yeah, about my, I'm, I'm lamenting the uh, what, what Blockbuster has become, and I'm somebody who hates Blockbuster. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, so just you know, go on, look at the blog, look at the uh, movie of the week, and then as far as the blog archives go, um, 
I have rolled the movie of the week into the blog archives so that if you have Gmail, you can subscribe to it, and that way you'll get the new movie of the week emailed to you. So there's that. Um, you can always donate. We would certainly yeah, appreciate it. Thank definitely. you for those. Thank you for those who have in the last week. And um, yeah, so until next week when we will talk about uh, great, not necessarily great movie middles, but great movie moments that yeah. n- are neither in the beginning nor the end. Right, so, right. Um, so yeah, hopefully you guys look forward to that because I know I do. And uh, we will get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.